Um, it's, so, it's so great to, to be here with you this morning. Uh, we are going through our uh, series as, as normal. Uh, we've gone through, uh, starting at the beginning of the year, a series on the presence of God. These are our core values. This is what we value here at New Life City is the presence of God. We believe that God's presence is tangible, that you can experience God, um, and that you can uh, have an encounter and be an encounter for someone else. We also believe in the power of prayer, that prayer is powerful, that prayer changes things, that God hears our prayers, and that we have this relationship with the Lord, that we have this communicative life with with the Lord. Uh, Also, we believe in transformation, the power of transformation, that you don't have to just do behavior modification, but God actually can change your life. And, uh, and so we've been going through that series, and then we'll talk about evangelism, how uh, we just know that God's so good, it's impossible not to share that with everyone else. And um, so on, on this series of transformation, uh, tis the season, I wanna talk about uh, thankfulness and gratitude bringing transformation in our heart and how thanksgiving is a, uh, such an essential part of who we are and how it can literally transform our lives, that this is like a key that God's given us for transformation. Um, I said this before earlier in the year, but it's like, you know, when a ground is hardened, And when a ground is dried up, even if a ton of rain comes, what happens to it? Just washes away. It's it's not able to be received by the ground because the ground is hardened, but if you till it up, then the water will go through. It's like sometimes thankfulness is like the tilling the ground of our heart. So even when blessings come, we can understand and be thankful and grateful. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, if you wanna open that up or open your app, select that. It's so hard, like back in the day in church, you would hear all the pages, and like when you stopped hearing them rustle, then you knew it was time. <laughs> but now I have no clue. Sometimes, and, and not that the app is any better, sometimes I like pull up my Bible app and it has to like refresh and re-download or something. You know, it's like an update is happening. Um, anyway. I'm just gonna assume you're there. All right, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's this amazing correlation between thankfulness and God's peace and how the peace of God literally guards your heart and mind. I've talked about this before, but when, you're, when you're, uh, your peace is such a powerful tool, it's a God-given tool. Peace isn't the absence of something. It's not like, hey, empty yourself so that you can have peace. What's the problem with doing that in a meditative sense? If you're just emptying yourself, as soon as you're out of that place, when conflict or confrontation comes or chaos happens, what are you filled with? Whatever you're, whatever's in front of you, right? But the peace of God is actually a filling of God's spirit in you that is so powerful that it exceeds and overcomes every circumstance that's chaotic, conflictive, or confrontive. So you actually don't have to worry about it. I mean, it's, it's as simple as, uh, you know, and uh, this is about 15 years since my testimony where God just, you know, radically touched me um, right outside of a bar around Thanksgiving time where uh, I had no peace, I had no joy, I had no hope, 
And 15 years ago, almost to the day, well, next week, but you know, close enough, um, it was a Thanksgiving night where um, uh, a man spoke life over me and told me that basically that God had a plan for my life. And it was like when I, when I ran into my car and I cried my eyes out, I felt his peace fill me. Even though all circumstances around me seemed so uh, dim and so abysmal, I knew that because I had God, I had everything, that he was greater than everything. And so it's not about what I had that gave me peace, it's who I had that gave me peace. And so this is, this is what we wanna um, uh, not just focus on his peace, but there's this correlation with thanksgiving, as Paul says to Philippians, he says, in everything with prayer with, and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guards your, your hearts and minds. Peace is such a great tool. You know, it's not just a supernatural thing, but thanksgiving um, does something that actually physically changes your body. It actually physically changes the, the uh, neuropaths in your brain. Uh, Dr. Uh, Joshua Brown from Indiana University, who I actually know personally, uh, he has a uh, research uh, that he had done with Berkeley. Uh, he submitted it to the Berkeley Journal of Medicine. You can look it up on yourself. It's titled, uh, How Gratitude Changes You and Your Brain. He's a believer, he didn't tell Berkeley Science that, but he, I know him personally, so. But they did this study, um, because he's a college professor, he used adult college students, and, uh, and so they, the problem with people who've done gratitude studies in the past is they've usually done it with people who are generally in good mental health. Um, so what he wanted to do was do a gratitude studies with people who are actually seeking mental health treatment. And so what they would do is uh, uh, they would get a certain group of mental health students that were going to uh, uh, seek uh, counseling and through a psychologist. But before they did that, there was a group that wrote a letter. They, they asked them, would you write a letter of gratitude to somebody? You don't have to give it to them, but just write a letter to them. And so for every week that they came, they wrote that letter of gratitude. They didn't have to, but they suggested at some point they should give it to them, but they didn't have to give it to the person they were writing about. And they found that the effects of just being grateful for something or someone in their life had lasting effects of four to 12 weeks beyond the counseling sessions. And it wasn't, the, it wasn't even the, the, just the increase of positive words, it was actually the decrease of negative words. We need to be careful how we think and how we phrase what we speak. Because there's power in this mouth of life and death. Isn't it weird? I mean, look, I, I'm gonna go off on a little Paul tangent, but isn't it weird how like one of the most sensitive parts of your body, your tongue, is near one of the most dangerous parts of your body, your teeth. Has anyone ever asked God why he did that? I bit my tongue the other day, like two days ago, because for some reason, chewing gum and living is still difficult for me. I have no idea why. 20,000 bites, I'm good. One out of 20,000, bam, I hit that tongue. And it is an extreme amount of pain. And I look in the mirror and it's bleeding. I'm like, oh man, 
And I always wonder, like, am I not gonna be able to taste something now? Like, you know, like, because so much happens in, you know, in, in that tongue. And it's just so amazing how something that gives life and nutrition and can also destroy. And the Bible talks about it in James, the power of the tongue, how it can speak blessing and it can speak cursing. But it can also speak thanksgiving and gratitude and gratefulness. And, and, and so there is a physicality, a physical change that happens when we actually meditate on gratitude and, and, and gratefulness. Not only did they do this word study where they, where they uh, wrote down these um, uh, uh, letters of gratitude to people in their life, they also did another study. They said, okay, now what we wanna do is we wanna give you a little bit of money and we want you to give it to somebody and ask them to pay it forward if they're grateful. And they studied that. They studied how gratitude and giving have this correlation with your mental health and joy. Because when you're grateful, you give. Isn't that weird? Gratitude brings giving. It doesn't have to be uh, monetary giving. It could be of anything. And then finally, they did, uh, because now they have these amazing machines called fMRI brain scans. What do they stand for, Daryl? A functional MRI is our resident doctor here. Uh, where they actually scan the differences in their brain before and after and saw a physical difference. And I'm sure I can't, you know, I encourage you, if you're really interested, you can look up this study, uh, again, by Dr. Joshua Brown. And so one of the things that we need to keep away from doing not just about how we think about things in terms of negative versus positive, but also we need to stop comparing. My wife actually started touching on this. She had no idea I was gonna speak about this. But uh, comparing what we have to what we don't have. That will always bring misery in our life. That will never bring gr gratitude. Comparing our cars with the car next to us, comparing our clothes with the person next to us, comparing... Uh, I, I stopped doing that around 23 to 25 years old because I started losing my hair. I realized at 15 I stopped growing. I'm short, bald, and, uh, and beautiful. No, and, and uh, no, I'm just kidding. I had, to, I had to think positive now, you know, I gotta, I gotta think positive. But, but my goodness, yes, I admire people with a full head of hair, but, but look, that can't, be, that can't be the forefront of my mind. I can't compare what I have to what, or what I don't have to what others have because this will put me in a position of ungratefulness and unthankfulness. You know, we, we were doing a Financial Peace University as a church for the second time, and, um, and just so gracious for Bob and Pat and Patty, who served for, for free. There's no agenda in it for them. There's no, if, if you guys could just stand real quick. Can we honor these guys? They've done. Listen, they've done, they've done Financial Peace University for people for, over 20, for almost 20 years or over 20 years around that over 20 years, and was it 600 students have gone through your program? 600 people 
to get freedom from debt, freedom from financial bondage, all for free, all out of the love of their own heart. It's amazing. But, it, but in this um, series, one of the, um, uh, well, the, the, the creator of the Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey, he was telling a story of his friend. And his friend uh, was a multimillionaire, had, had overcome debt, had overcome all these things, had, had, you know, I think he owned a business and he made millions of dollars and so he was a millionaire. And he told Dave about uh, one of his uh, vacations. He said, one of the things I did for my kids this year that I haven't done was pay for like this world trip, this all, like traveling the world trip. And, uh, and they went through Europe and, and, and I, it was either a cruise or a flight and I'm messing it up. But if you wanna hear the real story, just go take Financial Peace University next time. And, uh, and it was amazing. I mean, he paid for the kids, the grandkids, the spouses, and he had the means to do it, so he did it. And so Dave said, well, what's something like that cost? And the guy said, well, no, you know, I don't like to tell anybody. He goes, well, I know, I know. You're, you, know you make millions of dollars, so what, what did that trip cost? He said it cost like $40,000. So. But after that trip, he also scheduled something else. He bought a trailer full of bicycles for children. And he and his family, when they got home, they went to a certain city with lower income and they, and they personally handed bikes to children who couldn't afford bicycles. And this is what he said to Dave. He said, what do you think my family actually enjoyed most? Handing out bicycles. Because there's no amount of money that's gonna give you the joy and gratitude that giving away does. This is a kingdom principle that God's given us and we need to flip how we think about things like this. And thankfulness is not about you and what you get, but it's being able to be thankful outside of yourself. If your thankfulness is only contingent on what you have and what you get, what happens when you stop getting or you stop having? You know, in American culture, it's very, and I don't think you should feel guilty for having a lot. You should enjoy that blessing and that abundance in your life. But it's easy to look at our culture and be like, yeah, I'm so thankful for what we have. Well, when you, if you go just a few miles away, I was in Juarez, Mexico last week, and I saw a lot of people who hadn't, I was in El Paso, and then we went over this bridge, and it was like, oh, the, the stress, the stress, the stark contrast, I made up a new word, as the stark contrast, between the two borders was, was incredible. And, and, and you can't tell them. I was, in a, I, I was in a church, one of the first churches I spoke at last week, very small church. They're, they're just doing, they're loving Jesus, doing what they can. Um, they didn't have plumbing. So the toilets, they had a bucket in a closet, basically. Um, I, you know, uh, they had a, a little sound system, which for some reason they crank it up all the way. And, um, and I had my backpack on the pew behind me. These pews were like third-hand pews that they got from a church in South Carolina who donated them. And, um, and so, you know, other person's trash is their person, is their treasure. And so they're just being grateful for what they had. They didn't have any carpet on the floor. They didn't have a projector. They had like a, a shelf for a projector, but they didn't have a projector. They didn't have air conditioning. There was holes in the roof. And I had a backpack on the pew and I looked behind me and on my backpack there's all this gray dust. And I, what's that from? And I look up 
And the plaster on the cement of the ceiling, because the music is so loud, it shakes. It just comes right on. And I was just like, oh, Jesus, keep me safe. <laughs> Help me not die. <laughs> but it's amazing that, you know, we have all these amazing and awesome and we're so blessed to have all these things, but that's not really what gives us joy. When you're thankful outside yourself, when you're thankful for what Jesus has done, that brings so much joy. I wanna encourage you all, challenge you all, even myself, that I just if you, for 15 minutes every morning, take inventory of your life and meditate on what you are thankful for, but don't just think about your own, your own things. Like you can say, God, I'm thankful for my car, and that's great. But what if you don't have a car? God, I'm thankful for this house. But what if you didn't have this house? God, I'm thankful for um, good health. Well, that's great. But what if you didn't have that? I want you to even go beyond that. Go outside yourself. God, thank you for family. God, I thank you for friendship. God, I thank you for beauty. We can see beauty. God, I thank you for, for being. God, I thank you for love. Being able to feel it, being able to give it away. Just 15 minutes and doing that will not only change the way you think, but it aligns us with the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. I looked up the original Greek for the word all, and it literally means all. I was like, wait, even the bad ones? Even the tough ones? Even the ones I just wanna avoid? It's all. There used to be a, a laundry detergent called ALO, all. Because it took all, is it still around? I don't do grocery shopping anymore. Or laundry. <laughs> Thanks, Ruth. It's a, little, it's a little comment, commentary on the front row here. A little commentary. <laughs> See, sometimes we only look at our good circumstances as things to be grateful for. But how many know that actually, even in our most difficult circumstances, God redeems those? And sometimes my most difficult circumstances has brought an attitude of gratitude that I've never experienced before. So I just wanna challenge you, even right now, if you're in a difficult circumstance, maybe your job has changed, maybe you've been newly retired, maybe you just started a schooling that you haven't done before, maybe your financial situation has tremendously changed, find where God is in it and be thankful. Sufferings bring an appreciation for what you do have. I remember when I was in, uh, I was doing a mission trip in Africa, and there was, we were out in what they call the bush bush. I mean, you're just like, you, you drive for miles, and you load up gas tanks in your car, and you drive for another 100 or so miles, and we're camping with like um, uh, the indigenous tribes there who have no running water, no uh, electricity, and um, and it's, it's amazing, you know, you, 
you, you, you notice right away the smell that, that is present. Um, but after a few days, you don't smell it anymore. And it's not that the smell hasn't gone away. It's that you smell just as much as they smell. <laughs> and uh, for weeks, you know, uh, we were there, and then we get back to um, uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, which is a, a great city, and uh, staying at the hotel before we fly out, I got a shower. Now, I usually get showers every day. But that shower that day, so grateful. So grateful. Colossians 2, 6, and 7 says, Therefore, therefore, as you receive Christ, Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Thanksgiving should not just be a few minutes that you do right before dinner Thursday night. Thanksgiving should be something you're doing every morning. And every time God brings up something, you're like, God, I'm so thankful. As my friend says, Thanksgiving brings increase. Thanksgiving brings increase in our joy. Thanksgiving brings increase in our peace, as we read about in the beginning. Thanksgiving brings, brings increase in thanksgiving. It's amazing how once you start this path of being thankful, you find out everything else that you're thankful for that you didn't realize. It brings increase. Philippians 3, 7 through 11, Paul talks about all that he had was actually nothing compared to receiving Christ. He says, but whatever I gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, living under the law, under the Old Testament law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. See, Apostle Paul understood that everything of earthly value is nothing compared to knowing Christ. And not just knowing about Christ. So many people know about God or about Jesus or the story of Jesus. I mean, Honestly, more and more, not many people do. Like when I went to college campuses and I would ask college students, like, hey, do you know who Jesus is? Like, do you know the story of Jesus? And they're like, I heard about him. Like, I know he was like a, you know, a person of God or a prophet or, no, I'm like, but did you hear how he was born? Do you know his story? Do you know? They're like, no. We're, we live in a postmodern culture where the, now the majority of society actually doesn't know who Jesus is. And, uh, and, and the Apostle Paul, he, he had all these accolades. He was one of the best uh, uh, rabbis, the best leaders in the synagogues. He was, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a certain sect of, of um, scholars of his day and age. And him converting to Christianity, him actually 
receiving Christ made all of that actually literally rubbish. Like, no more accolades, no more position. He was probably persecuted. I mean, he was persecuted. You saw, you can read about it. He was, um, he was disowned for, probably from his own family. But he counts all of that as loss when he gains Christ. And here's the thing, guys. When we know him, when we actually like pray to Jesus, when we actually receive him in our hearts and we make him Lord of our life, Savior and Lord of our life, then we can understand what real thanksgiving is. Because when I look in the mirror, when I look into his glory, I see all that I'm not and I see all that he is. But he loves us so much that his grace is provided for us to be redeemed in every circumstance. And man, that brings so much thanksgiving. Like I was preparing this message and I was like thinking about my old life and I'm like, God, I'm so thankful that I don't have to live that way anymore and that I don't have to be hopeless anymore and that I don't have to be lost anymore. And I just reconnected with my thankfulness of what he's done for me. And it's brought so much joy. You know, the enemy will try to mess you up throughout your everyday tasks to try to keep you from entering a place of thankfulness, take you out of that place of thankfulness to be, oh, you know, woe is me. Why'd this happen to me? Look at this. I'll give you a perfect example. I love how Jesus gives me illustrations for my messages uh, actually on Sunday morning. <laughs> but I, I try to be a good pastor. I'm trying to wrap up my message and, and, and just finalize things, um, sometimes start things. And, uh, and, and so I come here very early and I was here very early and um, and I got into my office and I put all my keys in my pockets and on the desk and, and I'm working and I'm praying and, I'm, and then I had to use the restroom. So I leave the office and our office door is one of these locks that it feels like it's unlocked when you leave, but that other lock is locked. And so I, I shut the door, I use the restroom and I try to come back in and I'm locked out and I have no keys, I have nothing. I'm like, nobody's gonna be here for hours. And I'm like, well, this could be a time of prayer. I don't know what, what, what's gonna happen. And, and, uh, and man, this, this thought of anxiety, this thought of being sorry for myself, this thought of anger was proposed to me because this messed up my day. And then I just said, I wonder what God's gonna do in this moment. I wonder if I'm just supposed to pray until everyone comes. I go in the back there and I see this like wire. I was like, I wonder if I can like jimmy this wire. And God gave me the solution. I broke into my office. <laughs> and if I wanted to be, I could be a criminal mastermind. I know it. Because I was like, I was, you guys might not, the younger ones, but I MacGyvered the whole thing. And I just, am I right, Sean? Yeah. So anyway, I got in. But how am I gonna make this wrap back around to our message? Just because bad things are happening or things that are inconvenient doesn't mean you can't be thankful. It actually gives you an opportunity to enter into thankfulness and not into hate and not into worry, not into anxiety, not into anger or bitterness, but actually enter into thanksgiving and gratitude 
And it's amazing when you enter into that frame of mind and that spirit, how the Holy Spirit uses it in any situation for any solution. And every inconvenience is an opportunity to share the love of Christ, see where God's moving. I, um, when I was in Juarez, uh, Mexico, I'm saying it much better now, aren't I, Stephen? I, I'm from the East Coast, I would say Juarez. And he said, you can't say that, it's Juarez. Anyway, so um, they, they had us visit some immigration centers for the refugees that are coming up through South America and Central America, Southern Mexico. Um, these are people who have gone to the border and have been legally processed. They, they, they're claiming what we call asylum because of their circumstances, and they're asking if the U.S. would let them in, okay? So they're not trying to run over the border or go any bad way. And how they process these people is they give them uh, a processing number, and then they have to stay on the Mexican border until they're processed. Sometimes that can take a few months to seven, you know, six months. Um, and so a lot of ministries and Christian uh, ministries have um, created spaces and housing for, the, for these people because there's not much housing. If they, if they don't find one of these Christian ministries, um, you'll see them all along. They're just intense just randomly in, in between um, you know, streets and things of that nature. And um, this Christian ministry is so grateful for them. They were just loving on these people. Anyone can be there. You don't have to be a Christian to be there. Um, they're just trying to be, you know, do what Jesus would do, right? Love on those who need. You know, I, I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. He says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was uh, naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. And this disciples go, Jesus went, you were never in any of these things. And he said, what you do to the least of these, you do unto me. And so, um, so, so they're, they're just loving on them. And one of the guys just while we were praying, we, we, we got to share the gospel with them. Um, several of them got saved, and we were just praying, we were just ministering to them, and just tears coming down their face, because the people uh, have traveled here by foot. One of the girls I was talking to, she came from Venezuela. Venezuela's going through a crazy inflation problem. Their government is corrupt, and had overspent, and do, done a lot of stuff, and, and um, anyway. I could have made a comment there, but I'm not. Um, and, uh, and she's a chemist. She's a pharmacist. She worked, uh, she went to school. She, she was a pharmacist for 12 years. And after two weeks of working as a pharmacist, she could only afford just the whole paycheck, only bought her one pound of cheese. So she, obviously you cannot live uh, that way. And so she... Um, she, the countries around Venezuela will let you pass through. They won't let you stay. So she would have to pay off people at the border. She saved up money, and every border she went to, she paid, off, paid people off, and she walked uh, through full-on lakes, like holding her bag above her head. Um, she, they would sleep on the ground. There was a group of them. Um, she said that she walked through uh, a desert area. That was the hardest trip. You, know, you needed five days of food and water. She only had three days worth. And, and I don't mean to be too graphic, but she, she was just saying, this is how traumatized she was. She, she said that the, through the desert, there were bodies just everywhere. And she just had to keep her head up and focus. And so she finally made it to Mexico. And, um, and now uh, when, when they came there, she was, 
um, skin and bones. And the pastor started laughing because he remembers, because she said, oh, I, gave, I gained a lot of weight since I've been here because uh, they've been able to feed her. Um, and she actually gave her life to Jesus that day. Um, but there was another guy who was just weeping when we were praying for him, and his name was Abram or Abraham. And um, he, he asked that we would pray for peace in his life. And this is what happened to him. He had a farm in his family for generations. And the cartel, this is in southern Mexico, the cartel said, we want to use your farm to farm drugs and all these other things. And he said, no, my, my family's farmed crops that for generations. We're going to stick with that. And when he was, um, so later when he was running errands, he comes back and he found that the cartel locked his whole family up in the house and burned it down. And so he escaped asylum, and he had, the pastor, when he came to the ministry, the pastor administered to him through that trauma. Obviously, there's nothing that's going to get that back. And he received Christ. And what's so crazy is that even though this man, Abraham, had lost literally everything, he, he felt like he had everything because he had Christ. And he felt like, I'm going to see my family again. And it gave him hope. His wife and kids were believers. It gave him hope that he would see his family again. And so when you look at your life, and I don't, I'm not trying to guilt anyone. I just want you to be thankful. When you look at all you have, what God's given you. But if you want to increase that thanksgiving, a couple things. Do it every day. And then give it away. Don't keep it to yourself. Reach out to your neighbor. Love on somebody next to you. Be really kind and generous because you never know what kind of day they're having. Yeah. I was listening to somebody recently, a woman commenting, she lived on the West Coast and the East Coast, and she said, people on the West Coast are nice but not kind. And she said, people on the East Coast aren't nice, but are kind. And she said, let me explain. She said, people on the East Coast, say you get a flat tire and you're pulled over, they'll, they'll go, hey, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you changing your tire? You don't know how to change a tire? Come here, come over here. And then they'll change their tire. <laughs> they'll, they'll actually be mean to you, but, but be kind to you. And she, and she said, on the West Coast, they'll go, oh, man, you had a bad day, you you had a flat tire. I hope that all works out for you. I hope you get, <laughs> hope you do a good job. It's like the opposite, right? Of course, I'm painting broad strokes, and I'm not, this is, I'm overgeneralizing. But I just want you to know, I was talking to Sean, the South, people in the Southwest, I find, are nice and kind. Very, very good. They'll say kind things and help you out. It might be a day late, but they'll do it. They will do it. Let's do it. They're just so kind. Why don't you guys stand? Um, Errol, you had a word that you wanted to share a thought of thanksgiving. Um, and I just, he said he promised to be just a few minutes. Two minutes. He's, he, he was a part of uh, our original merging of our church um, over 20 years ago, the Vineyard Church and a Baptist Church uh, plant merged together. And, um, 
and he had some notes of thankfulness, and I just thought it'd be great to share. So, thank you. It's 11.35, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm looking. I, I said five minutes, but I can do this in two, honestly, and I mean that, because um, I'll, I'll be very, very brief. There's a, there's a scripture in Proverbs 27.2, instead of the Passion Translation, if you don't like it, oh well. Um, <laughs> Let someone else honor you for your accomplishments, for self-praise is never appropriate, right? Here's, here's what I want to do. There's, there's something about honor. It's very, very important that we honor. We already honored Ellen and Gail this morning. Very, very appropriate. So, so good to honor them. But there's somebody else here that we need to honor that this church wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for Kenneth Armstrong. It's true. Okay, it wouldn't even exist. And I'll share very, very briefly why, but he was on a, a, a committee. I don't know what they call them in Southern Baptist things, but uh, search committee, that's what it's called. And he, he went with another gal to incognito to where Alan was preaching. And he came back with a very, very good report. And then Alan and Gail and family moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and became the pastor of Del Norte Baptist Church. And then we blended together and became New Life City. It wasn't called that when we started. But the Vineyard and the Southern Baptist came together. And this is for me, okay? This is just for me. This is means the Word of God, all right? The Word. And Alan laid hands on me before he left it. <laughs> and he slam dunked me so I could get more of the word. This for me, I'm a left-hander, and I love laying hands on people with my left hand. This is spirit for me. So if you see me doing that, that's, what is, that's what's happening. Left, right, left, right. Word and spirit. That's good, man. We honor you, Kenneth and Margaret. We love you. One last thing. Please don't inundate Kenneth. Just love on him and pray for him, okay? Please? Yeah. All right, thank you, thank you, Errol. All right, well, let, let me pray for you. If you could just hold out your hands, close your eyes. Jesus, we just present our bodies as living sacrifices for you. We thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, help us die to ourselves, our own ambitions, our own agendas, our selfishness. Lord, and help us live for you. May we live in you and live through you. Lord, I just pray that you would help us be thankful with a heart of gratitude. Remind us of what we need to be thankful for, Lord. And Father, I pray that we'll be able to give away everything you've blessed us with. Lord, I pray that your peace and your joy and your love would be in their heart as they walk throughout this week and as they uh, have a great Thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you next week. We'll see you on Tuesday, hopefully. If you want prayer for anything, feel free to come up. We'd love to pray with you.